Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. This podcast, again, has been recorded during COVID, uh, one of the ones that I've lost on the archives, but it's coming back, it's releasing today. Uh, very pleased to release this conversation with Ollie. Um, it's fantastic, really, really good insight and depth into his illustrations, uh, his thought process behind his illustrations, and how he's making it in the illustrator freelance world. If you're a freelance illustrator, this podcast will be very useful to you. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and please do let us know uh, by giving us some feedback or sharing it around uh, on your stories or giving us a comment down below. Um, thank you very much for listening. And uh, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Bracken.design. Very, very useful website. Uh, lots of good um, tools there uh, on their website. So go and check them out down in the description. Uh, you can get a discount of 20% as well on their Photoshop actions, on their textures and uh, patterns and everything that they produce. Um, so go and check them out down in the description, Brecken.design, and use Waffle20 for 20% off. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Okay, that is it. Uh, we're in the podcast. Welcome. <laughs> uh, just like that, magic. Um, yeah, could we start off with uh, who, who you are and, and what do you do? Yeah, sure. Um, first and foremost, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm Ollie Hurst. Um, I call myself a conceptual illustrator, which confuses quite a lot of people. But basically, a kind of what I mean is like everything that I do has to have like a, a drive or an idea or a purpose behind it. Because to me, that's what illustration kind of is. Um, mm. I think there's a, a little bit of a misconception, particularly with environments where I've worked in like design and advertising which use illustration but they're not trained in illustration shall we say as to kind of misunderstanding what it is and it kind of becomes like this throwaway term where like oh just we'll shove an illustration there or we'll just do that and to me it's um if you kind of look into the meaning of what the word illustration is and where it comes from it comes from a latin word to illuminate so if you think about like what illumination is and what you're doing by illuminating something you kind of give a different perspective perhaps or you see a different side to something or you see kind of below the surface level so to me that's kind of what illustrations should be and what I like to do with my own work and the type of clients I work with as well kind of bounce off that idea as I find um mm. but yeah I've um so I'm qualified in illustration I'm an illustrator with a degree in illustration but um as most illustrators find out it's not it's not plain sailing just to go out there and just illustrate for clients it just kind of doesn't happen unless you kind of make it happen which fortunately I have done but um my path to it was quite common but at the time it felt quite long-winded and a bit like oh what, what am I doing is this is ever going to happen um so I, I graduated with a first which was amazing and I don't regret my time at university at all but I went to like an art school is what you'd call it I suppose I went to yeah. uh, Norwich University of the Arts brilliant university I loved my time there of course was brilliant but what perhaps it fell down on in places is how to like commercialize what it is that you do so they were very much focused on like your craft and as a mm. practitioner and almost like an artistry rather than the business side of things um so I very quickly realised when I graduated um, that I didn't have the skills that I perhaps needed to get a design-based job where the money in creative industry is. Like you and I both know that's where the money is. Yeah. Um, so I've had to like um, learn design skills on my own time. 
um, work a part-time job temporarily while I gained some funds to be able to do that. I was still living with my parents, so, you know, that's not great when you've just come back from being a graduate and you have to come yeah, back and live with yeah. your parents. What part-time um, job did you do? I was a bartender nice. for very long. I hated it, to be totally honest with you, yeah. but um, just, just paying the bills, right? Yeah, so um, yeah. I got some cash in that enabled me to, like, get the Adobe software and things like that so I could like, learn how to do it properly. Um, I did that um, and then I managed to bag a few internships and that was um, in Liverpool. That was kind of the area where I was based um, from just a stone throw away from Liverpool. So mm. um, I did that for about a year after graduation and then roughly about, I don't know what year it was now. So I graduated in the summer of 2016 and in the October of 2017, I landed a full-time advertising job. Um, in Manchester, which is where I now live and mm. I'm based. Um, that was in the pharmaceutical advertising space. So um, my connection to that is I'm a cardiac pacemaker patient. So um, a lot of my university work and the work that I did um, at that agency was obviously in the healthcare space, but it comes from like my life, essentially. I'm um, alive because of medical technology. So um, I won't go into the nitty gritty of why I've got it because it's not that interesting to be totally honest but quite a lot of people find it interesting because pacemakers are usually things that people have at the end of their life not yeah, at yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> like mid-20s like I am now so um yeah it's a bit it's a bit strange to people but what I what I tried to do at uni and what I then tried to kind of continue but I don't really do it anymore because it's very niche and I kind of realized that the, unless I was going to work as like that specialist illustrator of the cardiac space there's literally no jobs so mm. um but yeah I tried to use illustration in a manner which kind of um was a powerful method of like communication in the sense that when you've got a pacemaker inside of you like I do obviously assuming you don't I um found it difficult to speak to people about certain sensations I was having because that very nature of having an implant whether it's a pacemaker or a hip replacement or a, yeah. a, a metal knee or whatever um, is so alien. It's not natural or human, but unless you've had that experience and you've got that thing inside of you as well, mm. you'll never truly understand what I'm talking about or how I'm feeling. Or if I say like, oh, it feels like this, you're like, I kind of get what you mean, but I, I don't because it's, <laughs> it's yeah. not happening to me. So um, like we're all visual creatures and we can look at something in any kind of illustrative format and it makes sense to anyone of any language race gender etc so it kind of transcends those barriers and mm. um, so that's kind of where my university practice kind of ended um I did really well and I enjoyed it but then obviously that led me into like the healthcare advertising space and that's kind of a connection um and I wouldn't say that I hated it that's a very strong word but I didn't like the fact that like it was very driven by like pharma companies who are money hungry and they don't really think about people and mm. you know it's it's kind of like the nature of that industry that's like one of the most powerful and money driven industries yeah, we have on planet earth but very important industry as well so um it was it was an experience definitely to work in that environment um but I kind of came to terms with the fact that like it was never going to satisfy what I wanted out of the creative industry which was ultimately to do my own thing and be a freelance illustrator so um alongside that job that I've um I left that job in 2020 at the end of 2020 so I'm very recently full-time illustration but I've wow. been freelancing since like 2018 yeah um so I've been freelancing for a couple of years 
well it's my third year now freelancing but full time is like a month <laughs> so uh, still pretty new to the game in terms of freelancing full time but um yeah I mean I, I was essentially doing two jobs at the same time and aside from the fact that I didn't necessarily enjoy the job itself anymore it was it was all I was doing in terms of I wasn't having any downtime or time to mm. do what I wanted to do <laughs> so um yeah it just became quite a lot so yeah that's kind of where I've ended up where I am today yeah no, that's, that's amazing I, I like that I like it when people do like an opening a monologue it's really cool like you sort of get out and then you just go back and break it all down it's really yeah good. um but yeah so, so that's I, the first thing looking at your work is and, and knowing or hearing about only being sort of four months four, four years out of university and um and graduation and I thought wow that's that's such a short period of time for the quality of your work like this is yeah no yeah it's just it's just the first sort of thing I thought um and then so, so going back to the start of, of what, you, what you just said um, and the concept behind work. So this is a thing. I think I've lost a little bit in trying to regain my own work. And um, a lot of people, I think, are having this issue of not having uh, meaning in their work or, or just losing something, um, losing, losing like, yeah, losing. It, it sort of weighs it down if you have like meaning in your work, if you have, you have a, a purpose behind the artwork. Um, so how, how have, you, have you managed to, to find that and, and where does the meaning come from in, in most places? Um, in most cases, I take quite a lot of inspiration from like um, things that I'm interested in or inspired by or angered by or kind of like something which kind of fuels me in some way. Yeah. I feel like if, if it's fueling me in some way, then it's fueling someone else in some way. And it kind of there's a real world connection that I kind of look for when I'm either writing my own briefs or taking on a client brief. And it's a reason why I might reject a brief because I'm like, mm, that's not really useful in any way it's just selling a drink or like <laughs> do you know what I mean so yeah. um that's kind of where my stance on it is and that like obviously um I'm open to any brief and I'll definitely look at the pluses and negatives of all briefs but that's kind of like my make and break factor is that I like it to be something which either I've got a personal connection to or I feel like someone else somewhere has so like mm. there's a reason for it to exist um because I think particularly with illustration there's a lot of like again misunderstanding of what it actually is or what it can be so um yeah go back to that sorry to cut you off go back to that um latin what you're saying earlier on about, about where the meaning comes from because that's yes, something i haven't yeah, heard yeah. before yeah so the i can't remember what the latin is. i think it's like illustra or something and that means to like illuminate as in like a verb to illuminate that's where mm. the latin originates from um and we were taught that at university and that kind of like just like open my whole perception as to like yeah, what yeah. it actually is and what what its role in the creative process is because like I learned in advertising as well as like there's a reason why you'd commission illustration over a photograph or mm. over a set of icons or whatever like there's a there's a purpose to it and a, a strategic reason as well in the business sense why you'd use an illustration over something else um, and again that's something that I tried to tap into with my own work that I'm doing so that I can prove that I can kind of hop on the bandwagon with those people who are already killing it and doing those things because they've been doing it for like 15, 20 years. <laughs> um, so it's kind of, um, that's kind of where my ethos for it all kind of originates from, I guess. But I, in terms yeah. of answering your actual question of like, how do I, how do I get that into my work? It's quite, I've never been asked that before, in all honesty, but I think it's quite difficult to pinpoint it I think a lot of it comes down to people's characters as well because you'll find that like illustration also becomes like a sixth sense to people I know it definitely did to me when I was almost like trying to escape from my day job by doing something that I enjoyed 
um you'll notice quite a lot of people put themselves into their work I'm sure you do as well with yours and depending on who you are as a person and what you're interested in and like you know if you're if you like drawing like funny cartoon characters it's very unlikely that you're going to be commissioned for something like political and editorial whereas if you're like angered by what's going on in the government and you make artwork about it then you probably are so like I think it's understanding as well that like not every client is perfect for you and that's fine like I came to terms with that quite recently actually because I was trying to like get any job I could anywhere for anyone and it's like if you don't have some kind of filter you're never going to build a reputation or like a style or like a um a client base that makes sense because if your client base is just like all over the shop that's fantastic in terms of like financial gain probably I'm imagining but like from a career point of view is there's no kind of longevity in it because like yeah you could theoretically get a brief from anyone anywhere but to me personally anyway I'd rather curate like a a path that I'm following that makes sense from like a strategic point of view as well as a creative point of view and I think um, not all illustrators do that and that's completely fine that I get that people don't necessarily agree with that but from my point of view and what my experience has been so far that's helpful because it like mm. snowballs you into different types of the same kind of industries as well yeah um, no, that's definitely been helpful uh, for, for me personally uh, like sort of niching down into more sports and just, just football but um yeah go, go back to your your illuminating um thing so it's like it's like illuminating a, a the text into an image but with with um picking illustration over over a, a picture uh, what, what would be the, the main reasons a business would do that say i was trying to sell because a lot of young designers listen to this and they're trying to sell their illustrations to a uh, yeah. company uh, what, what could they say i don't know in an email or a conversation that would help them get over the line um good question very good question it definitely depends on like the business and what they do generally so like if it's a magazine or an editorial like they're often looking for something which can accompany a piece of text rather than just like visualize what's in the text because the text mm-hmm. does that so they don't they're not going to pay like 600 700 quid for an illustration that does exactly the same thing as what their copyright is already written right so yeah. <laughs> um have that in mind like they're commissioning you for like a reason because they want your point of view they want your like opinion of what they've written they want your perception of the brief like you'll find um Assuming you may have never taken on an editorial brief, have you? Or have you taken on editorial briefs before? Me, me personally, no, no. So an editorial brief would usually be quite open-ended. So it'd give you like a headline or like some kind of like first draft of an article, but it would never be prescriptive. So it would never be like, I don't know, like draw this person in this style, in this way, and they need to be doing this. It's not like a brief mm-hmm. in that sense. It's very much like this is the headline come up with some concepts which relate to it in some way and then we'll chat about which ones we think are appropriate for our audience demographic company brand you know all those conversations that have to happen anyway but yeah um yeah I think it's I think it's definitely like an awareness from the illustrator's point of view as well because like I was just referring to previously if you kind of want to go after everything you have to have a filter somewhere otherwise you just seem desperate to be blunt about it like you have to kind of like to take a step back for a second kind of like assess what it is that you're doing understand like what it's like to be in the client's shoes looking at your work as well as your own because that's quite hard I think it took me yeah. quite a while to do that and um, maybe get someone else to do it initially and see what their opinion is of it uh, it's quite refreshing actually to like see if some people see some things in your own work that you actually don't see because you're too close to it um 
so yeah I think they're kind of the key points I'd raise is like have an awareness of what that business is doing and then by the very nature of understanding how their business uses those types of things you'll understand if you fit or not because I tell people as well when they ask me for advice and contacting art directors in a cold manner and like I do that all the time and it's been quite successful but you have to kind of like use your time wisely especially if you're in a part-time job position like I was for quite a lot of the period of time I was doing this yeah yeah you have to kind of use your own time wisely otherwise you're gonna burn yourself out and get frustrated and kind of say oh sod this it's not working but you also don't want to waste their time as well because if they if they read an email and they're just like this this guy has no idea what we do clearly because he's just like sending us completely irrelevant stuff and hoping we'll just say yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get him in yeah. it's a waste of both parties' time so like just be aware of that and it's okay to like take time out to like make a plan for the future if that makes any sense yeah um, definitely I mean, knowing the knowing the audience uh, that we've got is is mainly the sports younger sports uh, not just younger but it's sports illustrators um, and people getting because that's my background so they fuck uh, that's people I chat with um, yeah. and then and then that's why we sort of got narrowed down I guess in the last couple of months but um, so yeah I like, say a lot of people will be listening and saying okay how can I get a, a sports team or, or an organisation to hire me to do sports illustrations over just using an image on their social media posts yeah. so why would they have to why would they why would they want to go with that rather than just an image of a player on their on their post um i think there's an opportunity to like i say get the get the individual point across as well so like um you can have like for example like a football player can be illustrated in five different ways yeah and emotively or i don't know like contextually or whatever it is you can get different things from the same image depending on who's made it and how they've made it and why mm. they've made it um and again it's that kind of strategic point of view which i think a lot of grads in particular i was definitely not strategic when i left uni at all um and it takes a while to build up that kind of confidence as well as knowledge in a way to like approach people and say like hire me I know what I'm doing kind of thing like it's not it's not something that comes naturally to quite a lot of people and it still kind of doesn't to me to be honest I could still get you know the imposter syndrome and everything that everyone else does but it's kind of something where you have to just kind of say I know I'm right for this organization brief publication whatever you want to call it and so long as you're contacting someone with potential commissioning power who can Mm. give you a give you a brief and not just someone who'll pass you on and then you'll never hear from them again that's another important thing is finding the right person so um i spend quite a lot of time talking to people about how to do that and it sounds really stupid what i'm going to say but like social media like it's the 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 key gateway in for me personally like yeah. i follow a lot of illustrators similar to myself and if they're doing what i think is ethically right they'll tag the art director as a credit in the work that they've done with them so there's a way of not only saying like look at this really talented person I've just worked with but you can also now access them as well and go and have a look at what they do and message them if you think they're appropriate to you in some way um, and LinkedIn as well people shy away from LinkedIn because they think it's kind of like for corporate men in suits but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a really good platform <laughs> like I've got some commissions actually from LinkedIn um, mm. and also attention from advertising agencies and art directors who work at advertising agencies as opposed to just smaller editorial type stuff yeah. which in the long run is what makes your business no, the, because they've got high budgets yeah um, yeah i mean definitely linkedin's i mean recently so i've been recently honing in on my social media as well so like uh, getting rid of 
unfortunately going to have a lot of people I follow um, that aren't going to give me work or um, I don't know what to say. I don't want to say be useful because that's right, horrible. No, but, I know what you mean though. But like, there's yeah. a reason why you've got that social media profile, and if they're not useful to you in that way, then you kind exactly. of do have to be ruthless about it and say like, you're taking up space on my feed. This is it. it. And then also um, only following people on one account. So, so obviously LinkedIn is more for people that I know and uh, who I've worked for or worked with um, in jobs or in the past. Uh, Also a few podcasts, a few podcast guests, but not too many. And then um, people I want to work with in the future or or people are doing similar stuff to me, but in other football clubs where I could connect. And then, and then uh, Twitter, I've made um, more of a, uh, a similar thing to that where it's he- heads of social media accounts in football clubs or or people that are running social medias of different social uh, of different football clubs and then link and then um instagram is more sort of inspiration like uh, people that i follow because yeah. their artwork's amazing so I, I sort of i think that's a really smart way to do it rather than having rather than following everyone on every platform when it just becomes a yeah. bit of a mess you clear up yeah the social areas um that's been really useful i, I really really enjoyed doing that and then keeping yeah i mean it sounds I'm, i definitely don't do that and i probably will may have said it but <laughs> <laughs> it sounds quite useful uh, i to be honest i don't use social media in a, in the way that it's intended it's purely for business for me like my yeah, only yeah. social accounts i have are my illustration accounts so that's same here, same of course here. i of course i follow family members and friends and whatever and like that's just a given but um i kind of do what you're saying so like i keep twitter to more like conversational responding to call outs like asking for feedback in some way or like mm. polls that type of thing whereas instagram is more of like an extension of my portfolio mm. so like showing finished pieces showing some work in progress showing some like time lapses things like that um i don't really use facebook i do have a facebook page but to be honest i don't yeah. get on with it that well <laughs> yeah yeah um, it's the same story of a lot of people that's yeah <laughs> I think it's just kind of died, to be honest, with like the business side of Facebook. And I get that Instagram's owned by Facebook, so by using Instagram, you're using Facebook. But um, I feel like they've like <laughs> they're, they're kind of like the Titanic almost, on like the last bit before it goes under the ocean a little bit. But um, mm. I mean, I'd, I I get that people have like a love hate relationship with Instagram in particular because it is fickle. It's very like impressions based. So like obviously people liking your post depends on whether they like are captivated in some way visually by it because mm-hmm. if they're not unless they know you in some way they're probably just going to scroll past it and then to them it's like dead in the water but to you it's like the end of the world yeah, so yeah. um i kind of get that love-hate relationship with it but i think i've kind of found a little bit of a balance with it now personally for me because i kind of i don't pay attention to likes as such anymore but like i'm more interested in the posts that like get people talking about what i've made in some way or like um Obviously, if they feel compelled to like tell me that something's good and know that it's good, it's not just like this weird habitual robotic routine rolling where it's like, oh, I like that because like, I feel like I should in some way. Um, but yeah, social media is a weird one. It always will be. It's yeah, definitely. So I get uh, a lot of questions from people as well saying like, what advice do you have for social media, especially people who are in like uni now and like want to like just like, you know, everyone's got this kind of false presenters when they go on to agree that uh, that like when they get off it it's some like passport to like instant yeah, stardom yeah, and like you'll be like <laughs> super famous and like everyone will love your work and reality is it that that doesn't happen um and i i've only very recently grown my account and i wouldn't say that it's particularly big um i think i've got like three thousand followers on instagram which is a hell of a lot of people 
Yeah. But it's small fry in the grand scheme of things, in all honesty. So I'm just kind of working at it. And I think with social media for me in particular, and even when finding work, it's about putting the energy into it. Because if you're passive and kind of like, you're posting stuff, but like you never really engage with anyone else's or share anyone else's work. And it's very like self-indulgent. It's always mm. about like what you're doing and what you're up to and what the next thing you're working on is. That's great for you, but you've got to, again, kind of put yourself in other people's shoes. And if like someone else is like not doing so well and seeing that all the time, they're probably going to just disengage with you because you look like a moron. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that is part of it. I mean, for social media, I'd, I, if people are listening, I'd go back to, uh, one of our older, older episodes, the last one with Connor Fowler, he he basically he's done a ton of research on social medias and how to use different platforms properly, and um, he's got some really good advice in that episode. So if people are listening, I think it's just before the but just before the two hundred mark, but it's um that's a good one, that's a good one. But yeah, you, you, I think it's right to to be more professional on social media. Um, I've chatted with this about this before with many people. People are going to look at your social media accounts if you're going to get hired by them. And if, if there's anything that's not professional or looks yeah. off or to them, uh, can, people can be very easily persuaded mm. not to not to work with you. Um, yeah, and it's just the again, it's the fickle nature of social media, but it's the it's it's the truth. It's it's yeah. it's a blunt truth, but it's the truth. Like you, you're speaking, you're speaking honest. Though um, we had. Um, someone come into uni actually to tell us that and it's kind of stuck with me and like I say I've never really been one to like as of recently anywhere to use social media in a personal manner so to me it's not an issue but I do see yeah. young grads who are like posting this amazing work but then like there's a drunk selfie next to it and it's like <laughs> put yourself in the client's shoes I know you're having the time of your life but like if you look at like I don't know Adidas or someone looking at your profile and you're like can't yeah. really associate myself with that yeah, that, yeah. that's what they're going to do so like you've got you've got to grow up i suppose is the best way to phrase it and be like this needs a separate account i can still do it but no one in the client base needs to know that it exists um, yeah no this is it I, i've done I've, I've taken it to the extreme and just not because i'm i don't even follow family on social media i mean not many i bet my dad doesn't have my mum doesn't really use instagram my dad doesn't have any social media so it's like i don't really need to follow any family I follow my yeah. granddad, but he does artwork as well. But um, oh, wow. it's weird. My granddad's <laughs> on Facebook. My granddad's on on social media, but my parents aren't really. Yeah. It's a weird jump that happened. Um, but yeah, so it's it's uh, yeah, very very professional. And um, only so the, the thing about keeping Instagram as an extension of the portfolio. Do you go back and delete stuff, or or do you just have like sort of no, regular... not not really. To be honest, like right. I've got even like bits of uni work on there because to me it's all part of the process. Like. Mm. Actually, you've got a lot of stuff on your your website as well. So one thing I was told when I was younger is that I have six amazing projects and keep rotating, like keep making them better and have like six and just keep swapping them out for better ones. Mm. So like like you've got quite a lot of work. What's the thinking behind that? Just because it's really good work and you want it up there. Well, yeah, I'm I'm pleased with it. And I think there's a point where I hit, I mean, a large reason why my work looks like it does today is because I bought an iPad Pro. Right. The blunt truth about it like that's enabled me to like formulate the style that i work in today mm. but i think when you're a client as well um and my agent kind of agrees with this stance as well which is why i've not changed it as such um they particularly if they're a larger client this is again kind of like the fickle nature of just working in industry but it's how business managers operate they want to they want to be associated with someone who's kind of got like a reputation is the wrong word but like can as a proven track record of like they can do what they're telling us they can do because here it is and look at it like 
bits there to say. Um, so I think um, I'm not necessarily dismissing what you're saying at all with the minimalizing the amount of projects that you've got so that it's like in its own space and it's allowed to shine. But I think if there's like a, a, a connection that ties something together and you can kind of prove you can do it well a lot of times as well, that that's also quite impressive. Mm. Um, and again, I think it's just kind of like, I'm quite indecisive as well. So like a lot of the stuff on there is like, a lot of work that I do as well anyway is editorial. So like I wouldn't necessarily call it a project. It's more like, well, sometimes you have like two days to turn something around if it's like a newspaper front cover or something. So mm. like that in itself is like crazy in terms of like just <laughs> the workmanship involved in getting that to a standard which you'd be happy with and it, like the client's happy with it. But my my work at the moment is quite fast turnaround. So like I do a lot of it in a short amount of time. Right, so right. If I was to cycle all the projects, as you just said, I'd be cycling them like weekly because yeah. I, I do a lot in a short space of time. So I think I'm better at the moment anyway until I <laughs> until I get to a point where I have too much. Um, just kind of like, I think I've kept it to about 40-ish, something like that. I know that's a crazy amount in terms of what you've just said, but um, I, I'm not looking to increase it more than that. And if it does start going more than that, that's when I'll start kind of like back cataloging the end stuff and replacing the new stuff with mm. new stuff, if that makes sense. Well, that's um, great though, because that means you've got 40 projects that you're already happy with. Because I, I don't think I don't think I could get to that point where I've got 40 projects right now. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I'm, you know, I've taken down because I'm not happy with it, and I'm looking back at yeah. it. And I think everyone has has that. So it's absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, it's just pretty impressive. You know, you've got 40 things that you you want to leave up on there and you're happy with. And I think it's more as well, like, for in some instances, like, some people know my work from the types of clients that I've worked with, but to yeah. me, they're not my favourite projects, if that makes sense. So, like, okay. I'm kind of keeping it on there because I know people like it and clients like it and I can see the traffic coming to my website that's yeah. popular, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I love it. Yeah, well, that's another consideration, isn't it? You've got to think about other people like, and if someone's hired you and they've pointed out a piece of work, it might get you other work, so it might be worth leaving it on there, sort of thing. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, look, yeah, thinking about it from that point of view is really, really good as well. And uh, always getting getting opinions from other designers and illustrators, I think, is healthy. Um, keep you yeah, honest. I mean, it is, it is definitely. But what I'd say about that, from my experience, is getting experienced person in your field because i think sometimes there's a bit too many chefs can spoil the broth as they say so like if you oh, yeah. hang on one second sorry <laughs> let me put this over here someone's trying to get me <laughs> but a, a, yeah that's a more that's a really good point to add to that rather than just getting sort of your peers but people that are a lot sort of further on in, in their careers um, giving you advice I think that's uh, the other people you should go to for feedback on work yeah and I think like to use me and you as an example like we don't do the same thing and that's completely fine so like yeah. in a way it's kind of wrong for me to advise you and vice versa in that respect because I don't mm. I've never worked in your industries and I wouldn't claim to have ever worked in your industries and vice versa so I think yeah it's great to get opinions and obviously diversify your opinions and get from different age groups and perhaps people who are involved in your work and people who aren't involved in your work, but I wouldn't take it as like golden gospel, especially if they don't do what you're doing. Cause it's some, yeah. sometimes be like, 
aesthetically good advice to make your website look nice, but it might not be like strategically the best advice or the yeah, business minded yeah, yeah. best advice. And um, that's kind of something that I've learned as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that also helps put up thick skin as well if you're taking people's advice on, but I would not. Oh, lost you. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Um, but yeah, taking people's advice on, but uh, not not um, taking it to heart almost. Like so, it's so it's uh, yeah, that's a good one because because in this industry you need you need thick skin. Um, yeah, for for working in agency in house or freelance when you're dealing with clients or any of this stuff, uh, it's important. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, apologies, I'm just telling right. this person to stop contacting me, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's okay, it's on my brother, he won't mind. Um, yeah, and I think just to kind of bounce off that as well, the um, the point I was trying to make as well is kind of like, I set up recently some mentoring sessions to kind of like offer my services in a way, I suppose is the best yeah. way to phrase it, because I kind of, I realised that I've been extremely fortunate, privileged one might say, to get into the position that I I'm in currently like I don't necessarily like the word lucky because I've not just like sat on my yeah. ass and done nothing I've worked to get to the position that I've done but I'm aware that perhaps I was in the right time at the right place um and I do have although I'm not very experienced and I'm definitely not an expert I do have experience in these fast-paced industries and they're cutthroat at times and they're not pleasant places at times um and you do have to kind of stand your own ground so I do feel like I do have that backing in a way that like yeah. I can share with people um so when I did that recently my aim with that was to kind of give people an opportunity to get a critique from a place of business and strategy rather than of, of love because if you go to like a friend or a family member no matter how it looks or like what you've done they'll just say it's great because they want you to feel great about it and that's that's great on a human emotional level but from a business point of view it's not because <laughs> they yeah. don't know what they're talking about quite frankly so I feel like I never had that because although I do come from like a, my, my parents don't have creative jobs, but like with my cousins and myself, we've always studied like design and art and illustration. And like it's always kind of like been around me. So like mm. it's kind of normal for me to be doing it, but no one ever does it professionally. So when I've now started to do it professionally, I get quite a lot of conflicting advice sometimes and I have to kind of like silence them in a way and say like, I love you but like shut up you've got no idea what you're talking about and let me go and talk to someone who kind of does and it sounds horrible and harsh but it's true and especially if like you're not from that type of environment and you don't get advice from anyone and it's just in your own head you kind of do have to step out of your own head it's like that thing I was saying where like if you view your work from a client's point of view mm. you um it's difficult to do and it's not easy and it might take you practice in order to learn how to do that but you do have to kind of like reload your homepage, your website and think, right, if I've never seen this before and pretend I'm an alien from like outer space, what do I think of it? Is there anything that doesn't fit? If there's nothing that doesn't fit, get get rid of it. Like don't yeah, like yeah, feel yeah. sentimentally attached to it in some way. Like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Don't don't question it any further than that. Mm. And then you'll have kind of like like you were saying before, you'll have like an edited version of your portfolio that you're really happy with. And then that's like a springboard to like make new work from or to make a new project from. And then you kind of build this architecture of like what it is that you want to be known as and what types of clients you want to work with and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's really harsh saying that like 
ignore your family but like I've found it quite useful in a way because like it's allowed me to get access to these people who actually know what they're talking about and are doing it professionally and doing it really well professionally and they can advise me from a business mindset which is something yeah, that you yeah. just don't have unless you go out and find it um, that, is a, that is a good thing I, I need to actually probably get some more advice on uh that side of things how how can you look at that industry sports illustration and and think um i also use my position because i work in a football club how can i use that to to do more sports illustration for that football club maybe the illustrations aren't to where they, where they want to be and okay so this is something that you that um you reminded me of uh, a second ago um at the start of the year i set some really uh so i don't know some like i don't know how to say it it's just some just some non-negotiable sort of values that i'm going to think about throughout the whole year um so I, i've sort of given up with uh new year's resolutions since i did last year i, I set loads of goals and it just didn't happen <laughs> to be honest uh, i never set them i never stick to them <laughs> so i just don't bother yeah yeah well that, that's that's the, that's the thing um so yeah so I, I said i said some non-negotiable things uh, so more of a mindset thing that I, I think about pretty much every day um one of them is being being 100 honest with myself about work and how the quality yeah is that motorbike um the, the quality <laughs> the quality of work and and just not bullshitting myself really um to yeah. be honest uh, and you know if i'm if i'm late or i don't know just not showing up to the standard i can be um i think that's a it's a good thing to be honest with yourself um having full responsibility for my position in life i think that's an interesting one because you said you said about you know, not being lucky and you're not it's, it's you know, what you're doing in life i think gets you you know you're, you're responsible for it you can only you're, you're the person that controls your life and having that full responsibility is it gives you that mindset of you're controlling it, it gives you that freedom of i'm controlling my, my life i can it's your life myself. you're in the driver's seat this is it yeah no, no one's driving the car you are so you don't yeah. drive it no one else is going to drive it this is it yeah you could sit on the sofa playing xbox this is an extreme example because on the sofa playing xbox all day which i did most of the weekend but um but if you you know if you if you wanted to, you could do illustration all weekend and get better and improve all the motion design. Um, so yeah, that's that's something I've been thinking about quite a lot. Um, and acting, this is the one I'm struggling with: acting in service of my future. Always, maybe the always bit is uh, the bit I'm struggling with. But the acting in service of my future, I think that's a really interesting little. Yeah, line. and I mean that's quite ambitious if you want my honest opinion because I don't think it's possible always as well. So like I think yeah. there's like like I was saying before, like if you look at the clientele like point of view. Mm. I came to terms very recently with the fact that like I'm not going to work with some types of clients because they're just not right for the type of illustrator that I am and that's okay and I mm. think that a principle applies to what you're talking about as well as like if there's a day where you don't feel very well or you're too stressed or you've had a busy day, day job and you don't want to yeah, then yeah. stress yourself out further and like saying you kind of feel like oh I'm on the back foot already because I was planning on doing something tonight and it didn't happen it's fine like <laughs> you're in a you're in a you're in a privileged position in the sense that you're not relying on your freelance work to make your life happen you've got a job you've got a wage mm. i'm assuming you like your life in the way that it is at I the do, moment yeah. and things like that <laughs> so you know like it could be worse is what i'm trying to say and i think you have to kind sure. of rationalize your thoughts as well because like, i got to that point as well where i was like i'm two years out of uni and i'm not really using my degree in the way that i thought i was going to be doing it and i'm still an intern and i know people are in graphic design full-time jobs because they did a different course to me and did a study the right thing and all these things go through your mind it's like stop just just stop the brakes and everything at the moment stop your mind kind of have like a google earth yourself out of here moment as like <laughs> look yeah. where you are 
look what you've achieved so far look what's possible to come in the future and like that's not impossible it's just you've not quite worked out how to get there yet mm. um and it's something that i try to ramp home as well with people especially grads who talk to me on these kind of i call them mentoring sessions i don't mentor them but like similar to what i'm doing to yourself now just having a chat with them basically yeah, yeah. um and it could be amazed at the amount of people who just don't have confidence in what they're doing and they're supremely talented like they're so so talented but like because they've mm. never taken that time to kind of like stop essentially and just be like put the brakes and everything a minute and just look back instead of looking forwards all the time because I don't I don't feel like I do that enough and a lot of people don't do that enough in my opinion either um, and we weren't really taught to do it at uni anyway we were taught to kind of just forget what's happened in the past and continue moving forwards um, yeah. and in an educational sense that's great but from a personal career development point of view I don't believe that that is so great because it's kind of you don't see the value in what you've done previously then in my opinion so I think it's great to have a goal and continue moving forward but don't lose sight of what you've actually already done and like be proud of that and understand that that's like a stepping stone to where you're going next and there's no fast track path to where you want to go otherwise everyone would be on it so um, that's kind of my stance on it (laughs) no definitely Um, and and it's it's about again you can sum up with perspective having perspective of where you are and uh and knowing that you're in full control is, is it's a powerful thing if you really think about it. And take, so basically, I listened to this um, this audio book uh, by a guy called Gary John Bishop, and he's a Scottish guy. He's, he's basically maybe a little bit too much, but so hardcore responsibility. You are you you sort of you are responsible for everything um, in your life, sort of thing. Um, and it's just he's got a really interesting perspective. And I was talking to my my, my flatmate's friend and um, from Spain. He was talking about how he loves England and how um, how much it it's you know changed his life and how much prosperity there is here and how how it's incredible. And I was like, well, that's interesting because I don't have that perspective because I've I've been uh, I've yeah, been taken it for granted. Yeah. yeah, and and it's really nice to get like you got you got to open yourself up. And one thing I, I um, another sort of thing to add to this, I was chatting to someone else on another podcast about um, sort of broadening your mind up, and that will help you be more creative as well, rather than just looking at Instagram all the time. Same sort of same creative, same sort of work. If you're looking at books or speaking to people that aren't from this country or, or just any any anything that's not just your typical inspiration of Instagram or or Twitter or, or Pinterest, I think it really like. It's, it's nice. It, it really, you do feel like your, your brain's sort of opening up a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, I and I suppose that is that. the danger of Instagram. <laughs> that is the danger of Instagram. And I find myself falling into the same trap as well, is that if you're following the same people all the time and just liking different, like people do with me, I'm fully aware that my work looks kind of similar. The clients are kind of similar. Mm. But the work changes based on the brief. I've like I won't be offended if like they unfollow me or like you know they they want to change it up a bit because that's that's how the nature yeah. of the industry evolves as well like it's important to kind of like like you're saying diversify your sources of inspiration because I'm quite a firm believer as well in like you can't just constantly be creative all the time that was yeah. like something that I was telling myself all the time when I had a creative day job and then I was expected to come home and like either work on a client creative brief or force myself to make a client creative brief so that I'm making work and you can't always do it like it takes a lot of like mm. well I, I think it takes double the amount of mental energy that a normal day job does because you're like expected to be like the ideas guy or like it's quite a lot of pressure mm. um and it's it's mentally taxing and I think again it's about coming to that realization of like you're a human being like you're not a robot and like 
this will happen it just takes time so like it's not going to happen in a week it's not going to happen in a month and it might not even happen in a year but it will happen so like it's kind of like rationalizing that process to me it was anyway to kind of say like all right i might not be where i want to be right now but if i continue chipping away at it and do it when my body's telling me i'm able to do it and when i want to do it and when i'm inspired and motivated to do it then it will happen it's just a case of when um i do think actually i do think a lot of uh, companies miss out on this with the nine to five creative i think it's um i think it's a shame i think if, if we had more freedom of work hours i think you could get a better result for most design every day yeah, think about the work i do as well like you, you more get more inspired at certain points of the day and if you're constantly working nine to five and you can't wait to clock off at five even in the job you love you're still thinking about five o'clock yeah um so if, or six if you were in my other job yeah yeah, or six, yeah. <laughs> a lot of creators nine to six these days yeah i um, mean it was nine till ten most days to be totally honest with geez. you but um yeah it was intense um <laughs> but I, th- I think advertising as well from my very little experience of working in it is, is changing from what i understand as well now especially with the remote situation we're in so like um people are obviously they might be parents, they might be carers, they might need extra time that the job doesn't give them if they're restricted in that kind of window. Um, so I think they are being kind of a little bit sympathetic towards that now and understanding that like if they want to keep their employees and keep their business in the way that they want it to be, um, they're going to have to kind of give and take a little bit. Mm. Um, so like I think exactly what you've said, I think they're starting to realise that so long as the work gets done, and there's not like a meeting that needs to be attended by that person or whatever at a specific time where a group of people are going together, then it can theoretically be done whenever within reason. But obviously you wouldn't expect someone to be awake doing it at like 3 a.m. in the morning. So um, yeah. and some people probably would if they had the yeah, choice. This but is I it. can guarantee you that that when, probably won't happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when does creativity come? Like sometimes, yeah. sometimes, sometimes you do get that thing just before you go to bed and you're like, hmm. I'm definitely an evening person for creativity because I think because I've trained myself to be in all honesty like because right. I had the day job and I was unavailable until 6 p.m. If I had a client brief or an editorial or a, a, an ideas concepting session that I needed to like kind of work through and get done for the following evening or next day or whatever that was the only window available to me so like mm. from a from a mental capacity point of view I think my brain kind of goes ding at like 6 p.m. <laughs> and like oh great everything's happening now which isn't great when you're full-time but um, kind of still, kind of still adjusting to that. Um, to be totally honest with you, and like trying to, I think routine's quite difficult when you're full time as well. And um, when you have a job, you obviously mm-hmm. you have to turn up, or you don't get paid. You have a boss who's managing your progress and all that kind of stuff. Which when you're full time freelance, you don't have that. Yeah. Um, you're kind of all those things again <laughs> yourself. So like, it's important to kind of set a routine try and plan as much as you can so that like you're not setting yourself up for a fail in some manner because like you, you you're not aware of what needs to be done because it's all in here and not down on an app or piece of paper somewhere um and it's kind of all that learning process that like when you go full-time um you'll realize it that it sounds great in theory but it's not also great to start off with because you have to like adjust from a day job to full-time freelance i found um and it's not necessarily unpleasant it's just different so like mm. it's just a way of managing your mental headspace i suppose to make sure that you're doing what needs to be done 
but you're not doing it at the detriment to your health or your sleep or your social life or your whatever happiness, I suppose, is the end result. Um, at the end of the day, people go freelance to be happier mm. um, and hopefully financially better off. But um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of one of those sticking points that I think a lot of full-time freelancers all have different opinions on, but I'm very new to it, obviously. And I'm, the only thing I have to compare it was with sorry it was it's a full-time advertising day job which I did for three years so um I was freelancing alongside that but yeah the the window of opportunity that I had to work on speculative portfolio pieces or client work that I'd got in mm. was six till 12 basically and like no later obviously because then I have to go to bed and get up and go to work the next day so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it was pretty mental and that's why I had to stop it just was not sustainable like my own health mental physical well-being it just was not okay but I don't regret it in a way because I think um having that experience now I know what it's like so I'm not wondering what it's like I know that it's not for me and I don't want to do that so yeah the grass is green as um, mentality thing's gone it's like it's, it's not there anymore yeah. it's good a lot a lot of uh, people I chat with <laughs> there goes my airpod case um <laughs> a lot of uh, people I chatted with Oh, hello. That's completely buzzed up the audio. Sorry about this. Um, all right. I mean, I can't, I can't call you because I've had two Apple Watch calls in the space of this call. <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all good. Resources. Um, yeah. So a lot of people chat, chatted with um, uh, about freelancing. They've yeah, they found it really useful going freelance and, and getting out of out of the nine to five. But then, and I, so I started off by doing that. Um, out of college and and the art uh, Shillington uh, Design College I went to, and then went. Oh, did uh, you go to Shillington? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, then, nice. um, it was really good. I mean, it, it's, it's a great course uh, for anyone listening. I think it's a really good alternative to university. Um, it's a lot cheaper, and it's it's just all in even nine months or three months, depending on if you want to go full time or two nights a week. Um, and they're doing like an online thing now, which I I need to chat with them. I need to find out what it is. But, um, but yeah, anyway. Um, I was talking about freelance. Yeah, uh, it's, I think it's definitely one to explore in, in your career. I think uh, I think I'll come around to it again eventually. But it's a very very um, yeah, it's a, it's a very momentarial thing. I think if it feels right, you should go for it, sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and I think I, I tell grads as well. Like they ask me like, oh, when like because obviously I'm fortunate again to have an agent, and that wasn't something that fell into my lap. It's something that I kind of worked for in a way. Mm. Um, and like they asked me like. How did you go about getting an agent and when did you feel the right time for an agent was and when did you feel it was right to go freelance and obviously there's a financial obligation that you like you have to cover before you can go freelance and all these things that yeah. they kind of know but they just want clarification and kind of like reassurance on yeah um, hear it from someone else yeah and to be honest I, I didn't I don't answer it in a way which is kind of conclusive I suppose because I kind of say like the way that I look at it is that like if you're waiting until you're ready you'll be waiting forever like you're never going to be ready mm. like but there will be a time where you feel like it's right and that's that's the difference so like the time when you feel like it's right isn't necessarily the time when you're ready but it's right um so I just a bit of context behind that I um, am represented by Making Pictures so based in Soho in London um to represent a, a whole roster of illustrators from all different backgrounds and mm. kind of techniques from like CGI to editorial like myself um brilliant agent I've got nothing bad to say about them at all even if I even if I did I wouldn't anyway <laughs> but um the um the, the thing that um I kind of bagged the rep for me was that um I made contact with them just initially just kind of like submitting my portfolio to them and just said 
I, I respect the roster that you've got. I think I'd fit in really well. Can we have a chat about like what an agent rep would bring to my career and how I'd go about seeking representation with you if you were interested? Yeah. Um, I didn't really hear anything from them in all honesty, and like that's kind of normal. But again, if no one tells you it's normal, you don't think it's normal. <laughs> but it is. It's normal now. I know that it's normal because they're really busy. Um, uh, I didn't hear anything for about probably about six months. Um, I'm not sure when I contacted them, but it's probably around like. 2019 something like that um they kind of um it's blanked me i suppose in a way um but now i know why um <laughs> to just kind of um digest my work and understand where i'd fit in and all those kinds of things and um then they offered me a brief quite out of the blue like completely out of the blue with no context just like hi ollie responded to your message we've got a brief if you want to work on it and i was like yes like what do, what do i need to do um did the brief um but unfortunately the project was pulled because it was on the cusp of the lockdown starting and oh, coronavirus shit. so like it wasn't that great but i was paid for the job um i wasn't really bothered at that point because i was still you know full-time employed didn't really know what i was doing in the sense that i didn't have a specific business plan in place or anything um wasn't expecting anything from it but then obviously um they offered me a contract off the back of it so like that's kind of how my rep came about it wasn't like a big like formal process where like I had an yeah, interview yeah. or anything like that it was literally just like they tested working with me hopefully liked it and then offered me a contract so um it just shows you that like I didn't think I was ready but they did clearly mm -hmm. otherwise they wouldn't have signed me so um again it's kind of like taking yourself out of your own work and letting someone else look at it and seeing a different thing that because you're too close to it you may not even see yourself mm. so um and that one thing i'd say with an agent in particular as well is that people don't necessarily understand that it's a two-way relationship so um without going into the nitty-gritty of like my personal contract with them the agent's relationship with me is that they bring work to me obviously but i have to bring some work to them as well so they're they're after new clients as much as you want their clients basically so you're probably more likely to get a signing or someone interested in you if you've got some clients that they've not worked with before okay if that makes sense yeah yeah um which is a, again another interesting business point to it that unless you speak to someone who is represented and they're honest like i am and tell you yeah. um, you, you won't know that because no one will tell you if you don't ask yeah um, for sure but yeah, and, and that's kind of my mentality on it is that like if you wait until you're ready, you won't be. You just won't be because you're. I don't believe you'll ever know when you are ready. Someone else needs to tell you when you're ready. And mm. um, that's my experience anyway. Um, I appreciate that's quite specific to me and my life, but that's kind of what happened to me. <laughs> no, I think that's. I think it's a really nice, um, really nice thing to think of, uh, and and sort of philosophy to have. Um, so sort of pushes you to jump and take that jump and just like okay let's do it uh, if you if you're brave enough but yeah that, you've also got to know how good your work is I think um, because you can you can be ready to jump but if you don't know how good your work is compared to the industry yeah that, that's definitely important that's when you fall short I think I think a way to do that is send it out yeah like start contacting art directors yeah, and yeah, if yeah. you're getting if you're getting people interested then you know that there's a market there for it and someone's using you for something and you like know that there's a place for you in this kind of like world if you want to call it that um yeah. but i think if you don't again on the kind of point of being ready if you want to phrase it like that if you if you wait until you're ready you've not 
you've not done that because you've clearly not sent out your work or anything like in order to know if you're ready or not from your own mental point of view you have to start contacting people and I think that's something that grads in particular find it difficult because they don't feel like they should be contacting people until they've worked with someone but it's like how are you going to work with someone if you've not reached out to someone and they know you exist because if you don't tell anyone you're here no one knows you're here yeah Um, and there's obviously those people who are really annoying and get picked up at the degree show and like land a seven grand commission like on day two of graduation which does not happen in most cases um and obviously this year has been awful for graduates because they haven't had a degree show um but I think that mentality of just kind of like believing in yourself knowing that you have something to offer and so long as you've put the work in you've honed it in the sense that it makes sense it's you um there's something unique about it and I don't necessarily mean how it looks because I think I could write an essay on this but I hate the word style so like (laughs) my viewpoint on it is that you say the word style people have this kind of like preconception that that's how just how something looks so like the style of an illustrator is how they make the work or what what software they use or I don't know like do they draw Uh, it do they CGI it or whatever uh, whereas to me it's more logical if you phrase it as an approach so like then that kind of encompasses like who the individual is what's the life experience what types of clients do they work with what are they interested in Mm. what inspires them what angers them how do they make the work like it's kind of all encompassing and if you look at people who are like really successful illustrators they have that they have an identifiable approach that like if you look at something it's not just the way that it looks but you can tell it's them because like it's for a certain type of client or it's for a certain type of audience or it's got a certain emotion attached to kind of the artwork and you know it's theirs Mm. um it's quite dare I say amateur to just believe that it's all about how it looks it's a massive part of it clearly like it's a huge part of it but it's not all of it um and I think I learned that very recently as well is like you can be this really slick polished illustrator but if there's no substance to what you're actually doing then they can get it from someone who has personality if you want to put it really bluntly um when they're more likely to commission that because it's human it connects with people you can relate to it in some way you might mm. see yourself in it somehow whereas you're probably not going to see yourself in like a really clean vector illustration for example and i'm not dissing vector illustration but if you want to go into like true communicative illustration it's quite difficult to get your personality in that stuff because of either very nature of how you've made it it's like machine driven it's clean it's quite crisp um and to a certain extent my work has those qualities as well but i like to think the way that my work has originated and the places that it's come from is me and it's identifiably me and there's something in it that i can own um uh, and i think yeah that's something that graduates can struggle with and something they ask me for advice on quite a lot and even even to myself obviously i struggle with it certain days of like I almost get two in my head of like, is this me enough? Like what what is what in this is me when I'm working on a client brief for like advertising dog collars? It's like <laughs> how am I supposed to make this me? But if you do, you'll excuse me, you'll find a way. How would you do that? Well, I I recently did a brand piece for Pets at Home, mm. which is what I was just referring to. So what um so the brief that I was given was, it's live, so I can talk about it, it's fine, but um, it was for pet technology and how to basically look after your pet better. But what myself and the art director chatted about 
and again they won't commission you for something that they know you can't do they've obviously got an understanding of what type of illustrator you are and what you're interested in from the work that you present to them as well um we kind of landed on this idea of like treating it almost a bit like human mental health so like if you look after your pet better their mental health is going to be better so for me then there was like a bit more of a backbone to the brief and a purpose as to like something I could tap into conceptually that like makes sense in my head um it wasn't just like buy our dog collars because they're the best kind of thing um which it could have very easily turned into if it was commissioned for someone else so I think again it's that understanding of like I have a viewpoint and a way of doing things that they were obviously attracted to and they wanted out of that brief and together we got it out of that brief but it it wouldn't necessarily have always turned out that way um yeah no, that's that's interesting um perspective like like looking at it from a sideways sort of look a sideways sort of view rather than just uh okay what's the product i'm going to do an illustration of the product like yeah i like that what, what why why does the dog need a collar why, what what about looking after a pet is useful to a human and what, what does it do to the pet and the emotion it yeah i really like that and yeah, I think I it's, a, it's a skill, sorry to interrupt, it's a skill yeah. as well that I learned in advertising, to be totally honest with you, like as much mm. as I didn't really like the job, it's a skill that they like need you to have, because when you're working in an ad agency, again, assuming you may never have had experience in an ad agency. I've watched you... Mad Men, that's about close to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, the um, team names of uh, our internal agencies were named after our Mad Men characters. Um, <laughs> Oh. Uh, that's for a different podcast and different day. <laughs> but, um, they um they want you to have the skill where you think laterally so like when you present ideas to a client particularly pharma clients right we were working with they're very literal they're very scientific people they're very like academic people and by that nature they're usually quite linear in the way that they think mm. everything has to be like methodical and rationalized and make sense and on budget and you know all these things that are like really important but yeah. when you're trying to get someone to think creatively they're not always the best people to do that um so you kind of have to help them along a little bit as horrible as that may sound but it's the truth um and what we used to do is we used to give them a scale of creativity so we'd go in with like the wildest out there right idea that was still like makes sense but it was probably one that we knew that they'd never kind of go for just to kind of like say like this is what we're capable of doing and what we're capable of taking your brand to in terms of like creative level and then kind of take it down and tailor it from there to end up to the point where it's like this is your safest option can you now see how it's a bit naff in comparison to what you could potentially do um so again I think that 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 kind of like demand of my day job in a way that like was a lot of pressure I suppose put on me and the team to like come up with ideas that were this idea of thinking laterally and thinking mm. outside the box and thinking outside the farmer box as well because farmers so policed and regimented and everything's got to be like abiding by law and you can't like yeah, yeah. there's a million rules that you just laugh out some of them like the, the tablet always has to be like the scale that it is in real life in any advert so like it can't be like oh. a massive tablet because it's like oh is it the tablet that big no the tablet's not the size of a room but in the law you have to abide by it um, it's like just stupid mass, things. It, it, yeah, that always reminds me of like mass papers at school. Not to real, like they draw a like a three meter by three meter circle, like a rectangle, and like it's just a little <laughs> little text, not to scale. It's like, come on. <laughs> I can, I, I know, I have a brain, I can see that. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but there's so many like loopholes and traps that you can fall into that like quells the creativity. Ultimately, like, well, mm. it's just the industry that it's in. But we were taught to kind of like 
break the rules when you can because like that's how the work becomes like I don't work work to win awards but a lot of advertising agencies do because it's prowess and reputation and whatever but that's how that that was their mentality to kind of like push the boundaries when you can because that's mm. how the most interesting I suppose is the best way to put it work comes out of it and I think if, I, if I've taken anything from that day job it is definitely that skill of like where you can push the brief and the worst thing that can happen is the client says whoa that's a little bit out there let's rein it in again I'd rather them say that and be like well that's a that, that's all right yeah, you'd rather like 100%. shock them in a shock them in a way that's like whoa you're way too creative for me let's come back a bit rather than be like hmm, i wasn't expecting a bit more than that yeah yeah, um, yeah and that's a danger when you work with certain types of clients i suppose is that you have to kind of keep that like i'm the creative hat on because if you're mm. not working in an industry or a, a, a business where they have a creative person and they're relying on you to be that creative person because there's the instances where I'm not only the illustrator, but I'm the art director as well, because they're a very scientific publication or whatever, and they're, they're not used to commissioning creative illustration in a way. So, um, yeah, it's quite a lot of responsibility away in, in a way, I suppose, sometimes where you you kind of have to put your big boy shoes on. It's like, okay, I'm responsible for not only like making this happen, but like coming up with the actual idea as well as like making it happen. Um, but in all honesty, I quite like that because I think again, my background in the design and advertising agencies that I've worked in, excuse me, you have to do that. Yeah. You have no choice. Um, it's part of your job. And if you don't do it, you're ultimately going to be replaced by someone who can. So yeah, um, sure. that, that's kind of the harsh truth. Well, what what can people do to open their mind up to think more lateral, laterally rather than straightforward, literally? Um, very good question. <laughs> Apart from tons of drugs. Um, <laughs> well yes that's one way I wouldn't recommend it but that is one way um I think you can kind of diversify your inspiration and where you get it from is a massive one so like what we spoke about earlier if you're just if you're looking at the same people's work and the same types of industries and whatever like mm. think outside of that as well and I'm a big believer in not actually looking at illustration to inspire illustration like listen to podcasts listen to yeah, songs yeah, yeah. read books go out for a walk you know go for a coffee with a friend because you might see someone wearing some weird jacket and you think oh that's perfect for what I need and you know like it's mental but that's that's how real life interaction happens yeah. and inspiration comes from because if you just lock yourself in your living room bedroom sofa or whatever and expect something to happen it's probably not and if it does it, it's probably recycling something that your brain's already seen online somewhere on Pinterest or Instagram or Twitter or whatever so mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guilty of doing it too, of course. I have. I've got two days to do a brief. I'm not going to spend one and a half days outside having a nice leisurely stroll to like think about <laughs> something creative. Like sometimes there isn't time, but when you can, definitely try and spice it up. I suppose is the best way to phrase it. Like, don't just keep continually doing a habitual process of like, oh, I've got a new briefing, or oh, I need to write a new brief for myself. Let's go on Pinterest and have a look what's cool and like replicate that. Because like at the end of the day, like I was discussing earlier, that's not you that's someone else just in like a different color jacket mm. so um yeah it's a it's a tricky one I don't really have any like direct advice and I don't really think I'm the best at it either in all honesty because there are places and things that I habitually go to just because I'm a human being and I do anyway but um I think I think you're giving not, the advice though, not, to be honest yeah I mean not I always think... relying on art I suppose is the best way I can phrase it like because yeah. art doesn't need to inspire art but also, also when you said earlier on about the deeper meaning behind things, not looking at it as you know, if you're doing something for a, a product, not looking at just the products, but how does the product impact 
other people how does it sit in the environment how does it um, yeah. how does it act in people's lives how can it help people and how do the people feel when they're using it sort of thing like asking all these yeah. other questions I think when we touched on it earlier on actually you sort of answered it so I should have should have called back onto that but yeah what's that this, this episode's just been like advice 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 it's been great it's been really really good <laughs> um, well, I think as well like what I try to do in my work and I appreciate it's coming from like you know I, I quite jokingly say to my friends and family that I'm a bionic man because I've got biomedical tech inside me that's keeping me alive which I yeah. suppose if you look at a definition that's bionic I don't really see myself as that cause it's just me and who I am and I've I've had a pacemaker since I was like three years old and I'm 26 wow. so I I don't know any different like this is just life to me and you may be inside my body and think whoa what the hell's going on here but to me I've never felt anything different so I just yeah. it's just my body and my life but anyway that aside I think the reason why I look for the human all the time in something is because I kind of know I'm not really human if that makes any sense and weird as that sounds but like I I try to find something in every brief that I take that is human even if it's not human so like if it's like a technology brief or something that's like not human where can I pick that brief apart to find something that is human like mm. obviously technology is used by people like how do they use the tech for example and by just kind of opening up that other avenue of like what the brief isn't telling you to do essentially you can get to a more interesting meaningful place in my opinion rather than just fulfilling what the client wants you to do and if I'm honest nine times out of ten the client doesn't know what they want me to do they've just kind of been told to brief someone in to do this thing that a copywriter or whatever's written a headline for but they don't necessarily consider the wider picture of what's a possible like mm. again they're relying on you in a way to do that as the illustrator and I appreciate if you're working for the likes of a football company it's not necessarily that open-ended there's obviously an end, end, end product or a goal or whatever to like to be focused on yeah. and it's not always possible in a way but obviously like um football's a massively global sport that everyone has some kind of relationship to whether you love it or hate it or be indifferent to it like there's teams all over the world again it transcends kind of language barriers races genders like it's a community driven thing and that in itself is a different aspect of just illustrating a player or a kit or a ball or whatever so I think is again just trying to practice those coming out of the brief a little bit and seeing it from like an audience point of view rather than this is what mm. I've been asked to do so this is what I'm going to do um because it's quite nice to give a client choice sometimes and yeah obviously there's sometimes where they're like mm, this is what we asked you to do so I'll do this but <laughs> um it's quite you'd be quite surprised because I've, I've had quite a lot of clients who don't brief me to do what I essentially end up doing because I'm like I know you've asked me to do this but what about this if you think about it in this way yeah yeah and like they've never had someone I don't want to sound like a good thing to go on the but be brave enough in a way to say like I don't really agree with that do this instead you'll be surprised sure. at how many you can convert and say like actually if you think you could really nail this this could look really good and we really like it and that is the type of stuff that wins awards and you know gets recognition and has a reputation and can build your career off the back of it you're not really going to build a career off just going here's a client brief answer it i'm just going yeah. to say what you've literally asked me to do in a written word there you go thanks very much there's mm. paycheck like you might have a great life but i don't think you'll be satisfied in much way um for me personally anyway and i appreciate that's like quite a personal opinion of mine but 
just from my experience so far in the industry, I think illustrators are more valued when they can bring something to the table that's not only just the craft of making the image. Um, yeah. And that's what I tend to try and achieve with most briefs I work on. Yeah, I'm successful at some, I'm not so at others. And there are clients who are like quite stubborn, um, particularly ones with quite high budget who are paying you quite a lot of money because they're like, you're not really in control here, we are, so please do this. Um, but it's worth the ask. Like All they can say, the worst case scenario is not really feeling that vibe. Can we go with this, please? And obviously then you'll have to kind of give in to their needs and explore within that that realm rather than pushing it to the one that you want it to go to but if you never ask then you'll never know yeah no you've just sorry sometimes on the podcast i uh someone said you say something and like i guess i'm something and then it sparks a, a thought in my mind and my mind just goes on for about 10 seconds i'm, no, like, Shit, I'm actually <laughs> gonna be having a conversation here um <laughs> uh, but yeah no you just sparked a really good idea in my mind so i'm gonna i can't say it out loud on the podcast because it's a football based thing and there's a lot of football people listening from other clubs so i might have to try and seal it for for Arsenal but yeah I mean um, that's fine that's not a problem I'll tell you after uh, yeah <laughs> yeah no that's great um yeah uh, I think I think this has been this has been really useful it's been really useful for me because that idea alone but I think it's been it's been good for, for a lot of younger people and I'm gonna say I love I love what we chatted about and the, the drive that you have as well I mean just to, one to share advice reaching out to podcasts and trying to get your story out there as well um and then the way you get you're being into the work as well is, is very inspiring so Thank you for, for being on the podcast. Uh, no, yeah. no worries at all. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. So, so the last couple of questions uh, we've got for people. Uh, the first, well, for the, the guests, uh, first one is a bit of a random one. And then the last couple are a bit more personal and uh, go a bit deeper into people's personalities because I'd like to find out about uh, some some deeper stuff. Um, <laughs> no need to be scared of, though. Uh, so the first one is, what's your best purchase under £100? And it doesn't have to be anything illustration-related. Oh, best perch under hundred pounds. Mm. A squeaky chat. <laughs> um, it's kind of cheating because I didn't buy it, but I was bought a HomePod Mini for Christmas ah, this year, nice. which has kind of like changed my working setup completely. Because like I kind of have like a mini subwoofer on my desk now, which is quite distracting but really nice. <laughs> um, so that that's kind of like, uh, I mean, I. I'm pretty sure that is under £100, but um, yeah, that's that's something I would recommend for a little nice. work desk if you've got any spare cash running around. Is that the Google HomePod thing? No, or it's the Apple, Apple one, uh, HomePod. But, like, the HomePod's the big, like, I don't know, like Easter egg shape kind of like. Uh, yeah, we've got one of those. Because yeah, yeah, our flat, my flatmate's got a load of tech. He's very big into the tech. Uh, yeah, so that's an actual HomePod where uh, we've got a HomePod mini and it's more like a Google Home in the shape of it it's like donut shaped a little bit okay but they're amazing um, speakers aren't they uh, like yeah saying, the sound quality on them it's like and it literally like I'll see if i can show you now it's literally like oh nice big. it's wired really... so it's not wireless but it's like it does the job oh. and i just have it on my desk and i like listening to podcasts and stuff it's like I'm my plant so... <laughs> it actually does <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, slightly cheating and slightly avoiding the question, I suppose. But yeah, that's that's the best purchase that I've received under £100. And Apple making something under £100. Incredible. Uh... And then pigs fly next. That's got to be the next stage, isn't it? I can't wait till they start making the cars. They, they've uh, <laughs> can't with Hyundai, I think. I think that's what they're saying at the moment. They're going to start making Apple cars. Incredible. Oh, God. Yeah, but you know, you'll have to have an Apple Watch to get into one or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. There'll, there'll be a there'll be a catch to it. It won't just be like 
the best car on the market or be the best car on the market if you've got an iPhone or if you've got an iPad or you know. That, you know that's the annoying thing about Apple Watch, just right. You have to have an iPhone to work them because uh, you have to have because you can't use an yeah. iPad. Even iPad, they don't have an app on the iPad. Well, there's there's no point in really having one unless you have an iPhone because yeah. they 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 kind of like say they they set it up. You have to put one next to it. <laughs> literally yeah, like you think they do it with the iPad bring as well closer. yeah I mean Apple and they want your money every day at every given opportunity but we still take take their products I mean they've been successful with me so far so I can't talk and they're a good investment for people watching uh, who are into the, the shares um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've learned I've been learning a lot about it and it's uh, very interesting and it's yeah Apple have done well for me so yeah, not financial advice, but if you want to take risk. Um, I mean, Apple own the world, essentially. Like, yeah. Let's be honest, they do. <laughs> yeah. like, they will one day. I mean, they're the richest <laughs> company in the world, aren't they? Um, richest, most successful company in the world, I think, uh, financially. And then best-selling phones. Yeah, just getting into your life in every sense, aren't they? Yeah, just, yeah, incredible company. Um, the next question is, uh, do you have any life advice for people listening? Hmm. God, that's a deep question. Yeah. Um, life advice. I don't really feel like I'm in the best position to give life advice. Um, give us some good career advice, though. You're giving us some very good career yeah, advice. Yeah, I mean, my, my big one is, like, believe in yourself, as corny as that sounds, but, like, it's something that a lot of people just don't do or take for granted in some yeah. aspects, or think they do, and actually they don't, because if you say, well, you've made a lot of work and you want to send it out to art directors, have you? Well, no, I don't think I'm ready, well you don't believe in yourself then clearly because otherwise you would have or so, you're actually not ready and you're telling the truth to yourself well yeah there's that as well definitely <laughs> but i think having some kind of self-confidence is really key and i don't mean that in kind of like an arrogant way but like no no i get it it's very important you have to like this industry is so rightfully competitive in any manner whether you're an editorial illustrator you specialize in advertising you're a sports illustrator whatever mm. there's going to be someone somewhere who does something similar who's fighting for the jobs that you are and if you're not careful, you can drown. Yeah. Because other people can become louder than you, and get at the end of the day, the loudest people get the most attention. So, mm-hmm. obviously, be loud in the right places and at the right times, but make sure that you're like making people aware that you exist. Because like people don't come to you. I would love to think that that is the case, and it's been very, very few occasions where that has happened with me. But they just usually don't. <laughs> They're usually too busy or too lazy. So it's down to you to go out and actually like find them. Um, so, so, so yeah. that's what we talked about earlier on and taking that responsibility for, for where you are exactly yeah and I think it's not just in your career it applies to all aspects of your life in a way I suppose like that's just advice generally for anything you you want to achieve in your life if you don't mm-hmm. go out there and at least try and make it happen it's not going to happen <laughs> yeah yeah sure and uh, on, the, on the lines of um, people finding you and, uh, and finding out who you are how do you want to be remembered is my last question Oh, that's quite like weirdly morbid in terms of like it sounds like I'm gonna die. But um, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I hope not too. But um, I don't know. I think, like I say, I like I like my work to have purpose. So like I'd, I'd like to think that people remember me as someone who was like doing this for the right reasons. Like I'm not in it for the money. I know that there's no money in this in the grand scheme of things. Like it's not you're not going to become a millionaire or anything ridiculous like that. And the people who have become very wealthy are in the very minority. Like mm. the, it's not the norm. If I wanted that, I'd be like in a corporate banking job, but 
um like I want to enjoy my life and even when I was like deciding what it is that I wanted to study um I was quite good at languages so I studied French and Spanish which you might argue are quite creative anyway in terms of like languages and how they're constructed and all that kind of stuff and um, again another podcast for a different day but um I did quite well in them and was quite academic unfortunately so um and was very very nearly going to kind of pursue a translation career instead of um what I do now illustration but I wanted to enjoy it and although I was good at those things I didn't necessarily love it and I thought mm-hmm. if I'm investing you know 36 grand plus into a qualification then I want to actually enjoy my time while I'm there and like see some value in it in the long run so financially there might not be as much value in it as some of the things that I could have done but to me that's more important that I enjoyed my time there and I've like looking back at it as a positive experience rather than a waste of time um but to go back to your question like I'd, I would love to be remembered as someone who took on briefs for the right reasons I suppose is the best way to take it so like, I do have a filter I may look like I do a lot of things for different people but I do have the kind of like ethical filter um, I know pharmaceutical is a tricky one because that is ethically quite dodgy in places in terms of like profit over people and all those kinds of conversations that that's definitely a different podcast or a different day um, <laughs> but um, yeah I think without sounding to kind of like preachy about it is like I see far too many illustrators like selling out and like get, don't get me wrong they're hugely talented and I'm kind of being quite prejudicial and judgmental by like assuming that they've sold out because they may have always intended on doing that but from my point of view it's like they're working for these like um you know a prime example is like um Cachette Jack who just rebranded Burger King like it's it's fantastic but if I was ever given the opportunity to rebrand Burger King I wouldn't just because it's a company that's feeling obesity and you know it's it's not a good thing as much as it's a fantastic commercial project to be involved yeah, yeah. in that is not something I this want is attached to my name <laughs> that's really interesting because but because if they offered you 50 million pounds to do it would you still like I know it's hard to imagine 50 million but that's no. a lot of money no no I, that's what <laughs> that's I'm saying good. like I've come, to, I've come to terms with the fact that like well I think that sounds preachy when I spoke like that but like it's more on the fact of like I want to look back at what I've done and like feel like I've not made a difference but like done something to kind of like make me feel like this was the right decision like I'm doing this for reasons that makes me happy makes my clients happy it makes the industry better hopefully because they can see how illustration is not just to sell burgers or whatever it's yeah, to, yeah. I, um, like, I just I just I just illustrated like um uh, uh, a thing for tortoise media which was um a advertise like mini advertising kind of illustration brief on how to market this event that they were talking about with it um industry experts on like the future of global health like to me i would much rather take that brief than rebranding burger king mm. i mean they smashed it they've done an amazing job i love it but for me personally as an illustrator i wouldn't take it on because i don't want that responsibility of like being associated with that controversial yeah, company yeah. in a way where they where they might be like one of the biggest companies in the world but they're not exactly doing anything to benefit humankind <laughs> in the long run um, yeah. I had a conversation recently actually with an illustrator who took on a cover for um, I won't mention her name in case you don't want to be associated with it but um, she was saying that she illustrated a cover for um, a big political newspaper and it was about QAnon and Trump and his association to it 
and she got a lot of like hate online for like mm. taking on a brief that was in that world and obviously that in itself is divisive and controversial but I don't think those people understand that like when you're an editorial illustrator in particular they want your work to be controversial and they want it to pose questions and they want it to kind of like make conversation and dialogue because that's what editorial content does mm. and just because she decided to take on that brief doesn't mean that she supports QAnon or Trump yeah no, exactly. it's just because the it's just because that publication was reporting on the fact that people do um it's an interesting that, line of morals yeah. like having a line of morals for, for where you work because in football right so, so in football sometimes people get uh, make a foul on someone so so they're not through one goal and they don't have the opportunity to score it's a bit like that in career in, in your world career maybe there's an argument to be made where you take on a project which slightly bends your morals to make a lot of money so then you can use that money or you can then work on stuff where you don't have to be pressured by yeah uh, by money you don't have to yeah, yeah um, put the pressure on you definitely and i mean you raise a valid point when you say would you do it for 50 million pounds to rebrand burger thing it's like well it's tempting, don't get me wrong. Like that money would change my anyone's life and mine in particular, definitely. But like, would I feel happy about doing it? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. But then um, after they like, had the fifty million, right? So after you got fifty million, you got all of the. You don't, you don't have, technically you don't have to work again, but from there you could work on exactly what you. I mean, you could do that now, but you'd be in a completely different position. Um, you got fifty grand in the bank. You can work on anything you want. You could just do charity work. You could really make a difference with the money or with your work that you're putting out there. Yeah. You could go to companies and say, "Look, I don't need to work. I want to do this for free. I want to make sure you get the exposure through my work." And I don't know. It's a really interesting point. I think it could be a podcast in itself. Definitely. And I think the the question that I would raise then is though is that like that's then what you're known for, mm. obviously, because it's the project that you've got the most that's notoriety awesome. for doing. So like, if people when people Google my name, if that comes up, for example, that's not what I want. Yeah. So like, I think that's a really key bit of advice I'd give to anyone starting out. And obviously I still see myself as starting out in a way, but what I've found is that you say, like when I was talking earlier about sending work to art directors and it's important that you tailor what you send to them and make it appropriate to what they actually would commission. Otherwise it's a waste of both of your time. Yeah. Um, it's important that you're not only sending out work that's relevant to them, but relevant to who you are and like stay true to you. Because if you send them a load of stuff that you did at uni, but it's four years down the line, you haven't made work since then, you don't have access to the resources anymore or whatever, and you can't produce that that you've told them you can. Mm. Again, it's putting yourself in the client's shoes as a business. And like if they're paying you money to do something, they want to know what they're going to get in return. So they don't want it to feel like a lottery where like, I wonder what style he's going to pick today. And then like, way surprise because they don't like that so um again that's, a, that's, a, that's also another podcast of like whether you should have diverse styles to diverse your client base or whether you yeah, should have sure. one style like i do and like clients know what they're buying um but yeah i think it's it's an important point to raise really is that like when you're a graduate and like i was discussing earlier it's like tempting almost in a way to kind of like reach out for any opportunity that comes your way but you kind of well in my opinion you should have some sort of filter so that you can confidently kind of build your brand because you can't build a brand if you're just taking anyone's work on anywhere mm. for anyone and I, I don't feel like you get anywhere by doing that um because even the people like um using cassette jack again as the reference for the burger king thing they they have done similar things for similar companies and for similar scale companies before so it's not like they were working for like 
you know, like a, a local magazine local, at yeah, one point, yeah. and then they're doing like Burger King next week. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they have kind of like a theirs comes with fame, obviously, because they're um, famous in terms of like people know who they are. So big advertising agencies know who they are. So they're probably going to only work on those big client projects now, which is probably where they got that project from as well. Um, but yeah, have an understanding of like what your work is and what it can offer and who you are is really important. Mm. Um, just to kind of summarise that point. Nice one. Well. Um, I, I, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to end it here. I think I think we've had so many points in this podcast. We said oh, that could be another podcast. We might have to do another one. <laughs> I know I, I know we've rescheduled this one a few times. That's completely my fault. So I think. Um, no, don't worry about it. Yeah. It's fine. I'm, I'm appreciative of the fact that you've got a day job. I don't. Um, but. I know we're all busy at the moment as well, so it's absolutely fine. I will uh, say now that my recording stopped for like a minute or so, and I've made two, so apologies. Blame my brother for phoning me, but that's um, all right. Yeah, should be okay. Brilliant. Um, well, uh, a couple of things left. One thing is uh, where can people find you on social media and check out your work? Yes. Um, so my social media is um, my Instagram handle is at Ollie Hurst illustration. So that's O L I E H I R S T illustration. Um, so that's my Instagram handle. Uh, my Twitter handle is just at Ollie Hurst. Um, I don't use Facebook as previously mentioned, so let's not go down that route. Um, but I do have a website, um, which is just www.ollyhurst.co.uk. Nice one. Um, and also, I'd, I'd say to people, check out your Spotify playlist as well, because I was listening to it earlier on. Yeah. Your, your Ready playlist, and there's a Go one as well, but I haven't listened to that. Ready one's really, really good. I, I really, really good. So check it out. <laughs> well, I um, again, these are kind of like lateral thinking exercises. Like I was looking at where illustration was like used in commercial industries, and like one of the industries is the music industry. It's yeah. like, well, not that I'm ever saying I want to work in the music industry, but like, what would it be like if I had a go at illustrating a a cover for something like mm. and you can make a playlist and upload an image on spotify so what's stopping you it's free <laughs> like you know yeah. what i mean it's like identifying those opportunities of where you could actually do something like you could make a, a match day playlist and illustrate the cover for example or whatever like stealing my idea <laughs> it's not my i don't own spotify playlist it's just an opportunity mm. that i saw a couple of other people do it and i thought that's a really good idea actually let me try and see what i can do with that and Kind of, I've done it twice now. I might do it a third time. You never know. Um, someone asked me why why didn't they call the second one set and then the third one go? And I was like, ah. would you really listen to a playlist called set? <laughs> yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's less work for me, so I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Good thinking, though. Great set, guy. Um, yeah. Right, nice one. Yeah, thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's been it's been really really good chat. No worries. Thank you, Mark.